Hello, vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? Where the answer to that question is Buffy Prophecy Girl, the last episode of the first season. This is a really important episode, and um, I'm really excited to talk about it. And I sort of like, yeah, I'm very excited. So basically, the plot of this episode is um, Buffy is Giles translates the Codex, which is a book that Angel gave him in the last episode that includes prophecies on the Slayer. And he translates a part of the prophecy that includes their current situation, which the Master is the big bad in this first season, who's the Nosferatu looking fruit punch mouth motherfucker vampire. So she, Buffy still has not technically met the master, I think. I'm pretty sure she hasn't met him until this episode. And when she first meets him, he kills her and then she kills him. And then she comes back and kills him. So that's this episode. Giles finds out that the prophecy states that Buffy will face the master and Buffy will die, which does technically come true. When she faces the master, um, he kills her pretty quickly. And um, then she is um, resurrected by Xander doing CPR on her. So that's the general plot of this episode. And um, we talk a lot about it in the mm minute. I even go so far as to tell you most of my um, ratings for the episode, my favorite outfit, my favorite quote, my favorite object. And then, um, so I think I will just, I'll talk about some of the, no, I think I'll just go ahead and segue straight into the mm minute. And then I will come back and talk about um, just sort of my, the rest of my ratings and um, my assessments of the season as a whole and Buffy up until this point and how I feel about how this podcast has gone so far and shit like that. So we're going to get into it, um, but let's first hear the mm minute. It's time for the mm minute. We're here with my Michael. Hi. And my mom. Hello. And we're going to talk about Episode 12 of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Prophecy Girl. Mm. Woohoo! Oh my god. So this is the last episode of the season. This is the one where Buffy finally... This is the first time she actually meets the Master. And he kills her. And then she comes back from the dead. Spoiler alert. Kicks his ass. <laughs> so... Um... Anybody have any thoughts about the very beginning of the episode? Uh, about Xander being a big, big baby? That wasn't the very beginning. What was the very beginning? Well, I wrote down that they're, they're drawing a parallel between Buffy and Cordelia at the very beginning because they're showing, like, Buffy and Cordelia are in the same cemetery and Buffy is slow motion fighting a vampire. As Cordelia is making out with a dude. As Cordelia is making out with a dude in the cemetery. But Cordelia's not the same anymore because she notices that something weird is going on before the earthquake starts. Yeah. Cordelia has all of a sudden become aware. 
Well, she is in it now. In it to win it. So um, this is the episode where Xander decides that he needs to tell Buffy that he likes her and try to ask her to the dance. And he's practicing his speech on Willow, which is a Xander transgression because you know he knows that she likes him. Willow loved every minute of it. Only because she was imagining him sure. talking to her. Sure. Which is still shitty for him to do that. Yes. It's super shitty. He's an ass. But then he asked Buffy ass. out, and I think she handles that very well. Well, she, she asked the right question. Will you go to the dance with me? No. Either you feel that way or you don't. Yeah. The either you feel a thing or you don't. And then he has to go and be a huge asshole. He wasn't mm -hmm. too huge of an asshole. Uh, he, he did his defensive thing, but then he immediately apologized. Yeah, but still. And then he was... An ass. Mm -hmm. Kind of an ass. And then he's a major ass when he asked Willow to go after he'd been shot down by Buffy. Yeah. Treating her like she's a consolation prize. Then he said he was sorry and he mm -hmm. wasn't thinking. What the fuck ever. Is but, this... Is this an explicit podcast? Fuck yes. <laughs> yeah. It says so on my iTunes profile. <laughs> but I do... E I, for explicit. I did enjoy the thing he said to Willow. After, he said after Willow rejected him too. He said, it's okay. I don't want to go. Just want to go home, lie down, and listen to country music. The, the music, music of pain. Of pain. music of pain. <laughs> That he does. He's listening to I Fall to Pieces by Patsy I Klein. I fall to pieces. <laughs> and, um. Might, nor might be copyright infringement there. I don't, we didn't do. We only did a few seconds. I think it's alright. No pin tapping. Uh. About this. Yeah, don't do that. When that, toast. When toast. that, when that light goes on, that's Pink bad. Toast. Popping. Toast. Oh. This sounds bad editing. <laughs> Did you get it out of your system? Are you good? <laughs> no, stop it. That light is bad. It sounds bad. Everyone put your pins down. You're making me sweaty. Sorry, right, I you. Okay. Um, so then what happens? Okay, so um, Xander is moping, and moping. Buffy, I don't know where this is in the timeline, but Giles has found out that there is a prophecy in the Codex, which you will remember. He's not talking to anyone about it. That Angel brought him the Codex in the last episode, which was the first time we saw Angel in like a month. And Giles and Angel have been like hanging out and talking to each other about the Codex, and so Buffy walks in to the library as Giles is telling Angel, dude, everything in the Codex totally comes true. And it says that Buffy's going to face the master and she's going to die. Buffy overhears it. And then she has... Laughs hysterically. Well. She, she laughs hysterically and then she gets sad and cries and throws books at Giles, but not at Giles because she missed him on Wasn't purpose. Wasn't that the Codex that she threw? I don't know. Or is it, it Codex? It's... Codex. codex. <laughs> the Codex prophecy. Yeah. Buffy was throwing Codex. You will bleed and you will die. 
And um, that that really gets me every time whenever she's throwing the books at and hitting the wall right next to Giles. You're so useful with your books. And this is the first time that you you really know that Giles loves Buffy. Because, you know, he decides that, you know, if the prophecy says that she's going to face the master and die, then maybe he'll just do it. And then he says, I defy prophecy. That was a very good one. You guys got any notes for, for any of this? Um, you know. So I think that this episode is the episode where everyone chooses the path of evil slaying for themselves like this is an episode where Buffy chooses it for herself because this whole time it has been chosen for her but she decides that she quits after she finds out about the prophecy and then she decides to come back and yeah. fulfill her duty when she sees how traumatized Willow is by all the death and destruction that was in the AV room so she chooses she chooses it the chosen becomes the chooser. Xander didn't choose it for himself. Though. He did because he was rejected by Buffy and he was laying on his bed listening to country music, but then he decides to rally and go get Angel, who he hates, to go save Buffy. And he did he, that for Buffy. Yeah, he did it for Buffy. He would rather, he would do whatever it takes to save her life even though she rejected him. So he's choosing this path and he has accepted immediately. He never tries to like, like he still has a crush on her, but he gets over it. He accepts her no Yeah. after this. So he can't be too bad of an asshole. Yeah. And this is also the episode where Cordelia chooses. She is now a part of the gang after this episode. She did something she, selfless. She drove up, she put Jenny and Willow in the car and... Helped them be the getaway. Yeah. She was the getaway car. She is a part of this now. Cordelia thought of others. And then she bit that vampire. She's pretty cool. <laughs> <It's> pretty badass. <laughs> uh, see how you like it. And this is where Angel is now in it. Because he is, you know, he can't also stay away. Huh? Also in love with Bobby. Well, yeah, but... And this is where Giles... Like he decided, not the whole Watcher thing was chosen for him too. Like he was telling Buffy a few episodes ago that you know he knows how it feels to be chosen whenever you know he wanted to be a fire fighter pilot or a grocer. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the episode where he decides that he's gonna go in and he's gonna fight this battle for Buffy. But then she punches him. So she knocks him, knocks him out. out. Everybody take a shot. We had nothing to take a shot with. Take a shot of my diet, Dr. Pepper. Yeah, that doesn't quite do as good a job. If I'd have known it was coming up, I'd have had the shots ready. Okay. We can pause then. <laughs> it's already happened. <laughs> we can pretend it's happening right now. And this is also... The episode, everybody chooses to be a part of the group on their own, of their own accord in this episode, including Jenny. Because Jenny comes to Giles and she's like, what's going on? I think it's an apocalypse. I'm in it. Let's do this. Yeah, Giles tried to shoo her away. And she was like, nah, -uh. nah. I'm a techno-pagan. I got this. Let's do it. 
She didn't say techno pagan. She didn't time. say that. But she's self identified as a techno pagan. I like Jenny. I think we should have gotten to keep her. We do. We get to keep her for almost a whole other season. It's not long enough. I know. Well, she had to like quit and like become a Christian or something. Really? Yeah, she stopped acting so she could like go back to Jesus. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's all I know. This is just that tiny little bit of information and maybe that was a decade ago and she's come to her senses since then like Anne Rice. What are your notes? No one's talking but me. Oh, uh, I just uh, had one other quote written down. Okay. And that was when the second time Buffy faced the master and, and he said, but you're supposed to be dead. It was written. And she said, I may be dead, but I'm still pretty. No, what can I say? I flunk the written. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have awesome. quotes. Okay. Um, I like Jenny's quote. I would say the end is pretty seriously nigh. <laughs> pretty seriously nigh. That was a good one. That was a good one. Like said <laughs> she it said it like nigh. Pretty nigh. seriously nigh. Nigh. <laughs> and the quote that I think is quote for my life is when Will says, what are we going to do? And Buffy says, what we have to. We so have to. That's kind of like all I've done all my life. What you have to do? Yeah. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I think it's a good thing. Not that I remember those things, but you guys keep reminding me. Hey, Mom, you remember that time? No. Remember that time when you thought the internet was evil? I do remember that. It's still evil. Dexter is so interested. I know. He can't be part of the minute. <laughs> He's like, what are you guys talking about? So interested. <laughs> we have five dogs in this room right now. It's pretty <laughs> miraculous. And they're all knock knock being calm. Yes. Z just moaned. <laughs> Dexter just yawned. Okay. Um, what? So we did everybody's best quote. Outfits. Well, what? There's no contest. Yeah, sure. That's a very good outfit. Okay, let's say it all at the same time. One, two, three. Prom dress. Okay, I didn't Prom know dress what we with were... a leather, leather jacket. Sure. That's that's good and all. It's very good. That's probably the outfit for the episode because that's it's so iconic. I mean, that's... The dress she died in. That is... Yeah. What the, if, that's her resurrection a, dress. If there is an outfit that represents Buffy, it's a prom dress with a leather jacket. No. I don't think it's yeah. the outfit that represents Buffy, because if you're going to make that, it... That is the outfit from the movie. She was in like a yellow prom dress, wasn't it? No, it was a and yellow a leather, leather jacket. jacket. Whatever. Get it right. <laughs> it was the most miraculous leather jacket that has ever been seen on film. Yeah, that's why the outfit is like synonymous with Buffy. Okay. But one yellow jacket, leather jacket, is way different than a white flowy prom dress and a leather. It, there's room for improvement, though. The outfit in my head is yes. better than the dress itself was pretty good. It was made by the costume designer of the show, by the way. I have that little factoid. 
Yeah. Um, so it's not like a dress you could go out and buy or anything. But it could have been paired with a real leather jacket instead of that weird, like, pleathery looking shirt. It was just a shirt. It wasn't even really a jacket. It was like a moto jacket. No, it wasn't a moto jacket at all. Okay. It would look better with a moto jacket, and it would look better with combat boots instead of those ugly white prom shoes that she had. Those on. were awful. They were. Yeah. She should have been wearing combat boots. So when I cosplay as that, I'm going to use my real leather jacket and some combat boots. What about the snakeskin skirt? That was cool. It was, was it was a nice good skirt. skirt the whole but... outfit was good. She had the knee-high boots, the snakes, blue snakeskin skirt, and then that moss green V-neck. That was gray. That was gray. It was, it was brown. It was green. It was brown. It was, it was grayish brownish green. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> it was an earth tone for I feel sure. Like we've had this argument before, not about that shirt, but about that color. Well, Shay and I certainly have. <laughs> well, Shay's wrong. Shay, you have that brown skirt, or Tracy, do you have the brown skirt that I loaned you? Uh, no, I, I have a green one. <laughs> No, it's brown. No, honey, it's nope. green. No, it's good I have is green. I don't have it. <laughs> I do have perfect color, cutie. Yeah, me too. But anyway, and that outfit. Damn. Uh, what other? No. Willow's outfit was pretty good. Was she had the baggy shirt. She had uh, no, not that one. The that when she bad. had the fuzzy green sweater, and then she had like a a short flowery skirt with black tights, and like I like it when she does the like cute little skirts over mm -hmm. like black tights and her like Converse shoes, and it's cute. Mm -hmm. I miss that. Mm -hmm. It was cute. Mm -hmm. um, Giles was just wearing like the the same Stripes. outfit the whole time. Stripey Xander. Yes, I don't even remember what Xander wore at all. Yeah. I kind of liked his outfit when he was laying on the bed listening to country music. <laughs> I almost picked that as my outfit. <laughs> I don't remember it. I think it was dark gray sweatpants and a light gray t-shirt. <laughs> his wallowing. His wallow outfit. Yeah. <laughs> I like how you... Why was the phone on the bed if he was just going to pick it up, <laughs> hang it up, and then take it off the hook? Well, he'd probably just order pizza. Oh, okay. Yeah. With what money? Okay, so we did... Okay, so those quotes... My, my favorite is that I may be dead, but I'm still pretty. I didn't say that part. That's a good one. And then we did outfits. Um, what is your object of affection for the episode? Oh, I didn't think about that one. Hmm. You need to remind us when the episode I mean, for me, it just has to be the dress. Because I don't know how you would recreate that dress. You'd have to have somebody that actually knew how to sew... To make that dress happen, like Timmy could make it happen. Maybe. Um. <laughs> okay, we can go back to that one. I got nothing. Okay. The crossbow. The crossbow. Yeah, you gotta have the crossbow as part of the outfit. Yeah. You gotta have the the cross necklace, the crossbow, the leather jacket. The dress. Prom dress. I want Cordelia's teeth. <laughs> That's what they Mimi said. Really? Yeah. They look fake. <laughs> That's exactly what Mimi said in the last episode. <laughs> she 
said Cornelia's teeth were perfect. Her teeth freak me out. They're too big. They're like chiclets. She has a really pretty smile. <laughs> yeah, she does have a very pretty smile. She has like Mick Jagger smile. So, okay. That's object of affection, outfit, quote. Uh, Rating. Music of the episode. We actually did have some music in this episode. Oh my gosh. Uh, the piano rendition of the theme, theme, theme song at exactly. the end. I'm going to look. Excellent. I'm going to look that up. That and was so beautiful. And I'm going to play a little part of it if I can. Yeah. <laughs> Dexter looks doofy. He's so interested in what we're saying. It's funny. What are your ratings, Dexter? I would like to rate it a two. Oh, only two? Because I couldn't wow. read the subtitles. <laughs> okay, five by five ratings, Michael. Um, quality, I'm going to give it a 4.5. I would have given it a five, but that one scene, there, the one scene where they were walking in when it was Buffy and Xander and Angel walking to the master to kick some ass. Um, the, that was just, when they played the was, theme song? When they played the theme song, yeah. That, I mean, that's You're going to take automatic. off half a point for that? I'm going to take off half a point for that. And, like, it was, like, sped up. The footage was, like, sped up. So it, like, just looked funny. There was some bad editing in this video. And then the lighting, I don't know if that was the TV doing that, adjusting the lighting or I think something. It the was. lighting was bad in the library scene, period, whether it was adjusting itself or not. Uh, the Just, you know, I don't know. Okay, so quality 4.5. Clarity, I'm going to give it a 5 because, you know, I think uh, they did a really good job of wrapping up the season, you know, um... And wrapping up the, the show was fulfilled. Yeah, because, because they, they didn't, didn't know if they were going to be picked up yeah, for a second season. They didn't, so they so they, they tied it all be, up in a nice it to little be a bow. Self-contained thing, so like that, a miniseries almost. Yeah, so that you knew that no matter what Buffy's future, even if you don't get to see Buffy's she future, it. she chose it. Yeah, yeah. So five. I'm I'm, I'm totally. I, I really dig that episode. Mom, what am I rating? Yep. I'm rating the enjoyability yeah. well, factor. And clarity. Yeah. What's quality? Just enjoyability. Enjoyability? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm, three. Three? Yeah, give it a three. Really? Yeah. Okay. Why'd you take points away? That monster at the end was so oh, yeah. stupid. Pretty gross. Yeah. Why, flopping. why are all the Joss Whedon monsters penises? They are all penises. They are all penises. Is he gay? No. The bear turns into a giant penis. sure? Yeah. He, cool? he does smoke cigars. Is he closeted gay? No. <laughs> it's, I think it's, it's all just part of the metaphor because the show is about feminism. And so she's... Killing the penises. She's fighting she's the penises. She's killing pain. the penises. She's fighting the patriarchy. Buffy the penis slayer. Excellent. So, I don't, you know, particularly care for penis monsters, so I give it a three. Okay. Clarity of message. What was the message? We all stick together. That, you know. We're all in it to win it. That you get to choose your own fate, I think. Okay. You get to choose your level of involvement. I give it a five. Okay. 
So your final is a 15. 15. And then yours for 4.5 by 5. I'm going to write this down. That is a 22.5. Because I had to. Had to add a point, just like Mimi did. Yeah, I mean, you need to pull out the calculator too. Well, you know, I just couldn't. Couldn't okay. give it a perfect score. It's too many pin sound effects in this episode. <laughs> and I will um, withhold. What? My ratings. What? Because I'm going to talk about this more than just this. So I have to put my ratings at the end. Okay. Okay. And you're all special and. I, I am the host of the show, and I'm the only one that watches this fucking episode, these fucking episodes, at least three times. So, yeah. Well, that's just ridiculous. I'm pretty special. Being crazy makes you So, special. we lost mom, so I don't know how we're going to do the outro, because she ran away. Mm. <laughs> Minute. <laughs> that's good. That's gold right there. Will you come back so we can say goodbye? Yeah, I'm here. And this has been the minute. Okay, I'm back with some more final assessments of the episode Prophecy Girl and um, just my assessments of the season as a whole. Um, I think I, I did mention this in the minute, but I just kind of want to go over this because I think it's the most important aspect of this episode. And I don't know that I, I, and I've read a lot of Buffy books and I've, um, or we'll get to that. Let's get to that in a second. First, I want to tell you a little bit about the research that I did with my Buffy books. I have like a whole stack of Buffy books that I consult before I, um, do these episodes that I always look up in the index, the episode that we're talking about and see what the thoughts are for, um, in these different books. In, the, in my book, Why Buffy Matters, there were two kind of interesting things that I pulled from the book that are mentioning this episode. Um, one of them states that Buffy's death at the hands of the master in the white dress is a symbolic death of maidenhood for Buffy. And I would say that that makes some sense because in this episode, Buffy truly chooses her life as a slayer. She chooses it for herself instead of it being chosen for her. So in a sense, she is choosing her role as slayer over her identity as she knew it up until this point as Buffy. Um, so that kind of makes sense that it would be the symbolic death of maidenhood. Um, and they also drew a parallel between like the encounter with the master being like a sexual divergentization situation, which yeah, it kind of makes sense, but it's just a little too Freudian for me. So I, do, I, I can see that argument, but I don't necessarily make that argument myself. Um, another quote in the Why Buffy Matters book was that um, she must sacrifice her sacrifice her sense of self to save the world. And um, I think that's definitely portrayed in this episode. Um, in a sense, 
every character is choosing their roles as demon fighters over their sense of self, over their, essentially their sense of self-preservation, which is the point that I'm going to get to here in a second. Um, oh yeah, let's just go ahead and get into that right now. So that's what I talked about a little bit in the minute. And this is a point that I don't, I don't think I've seen anyone else make, but I, it's a, way of understanding this episode that makes me love it more than I ever have before. And I really think that this episode is emphasizing choice, is emphasizing the fact that every single character during the course of this episode alone chooses their roles in this universe for themselves. Whereas before they were all sort of not complicit in the choice they were kind of chosen before and now they are choosing and um so let's just go like from like least important character to most important character maybe um so starting with just jenny jenny is um in the past she was sort of in the episode i robot you jane where she's introduced which is possibly the only other episode she has even been in. Maybe she's been in a couple others, whatever. Anyway, she was just sort of thrown into the middle of that whole situation, and she rose to the occasion and fought with Giles. But this time, she comes to Giles and says, hey, look, there's some shit going on on the internet doing my techno-pagan thing. Um, I want to help. So she chooses to seek Giles out and be a part of this mess and this is where she chooses this life. Um, next we have um, Cordelia. This is the first episode where like she's been thrown in the middle of the ship before, most notably in the last episode she was the target of the invisible girl and that put her in the middle of the Scooby gang and um, that was, you know, she didn't choose that. But in this episode, she chooses it. Um, she, what is she doing? Like, how does she end up at the library in order to save Jenny and Willow? She's just driving by, but she is drawn to, like, she feels the portents. She feels the, you know, impending apocalypse. She's sort of sensing it, and she just puts herself in the middle of the fray. She um, becomes the getaway car for Jenny and Willow, and she is choosing this life from here on out. Like, she's a part of the group now, officially. Um, she'll try to kind of, like, um, resist that at different times, but she won't ever be able to. Like, this is her life now, forever. Um, until her death. <laughs> And um, let's see, who else? Let's go with Angel next. I need to cross these off as I say them or else I'm gonna forget what I'm talking about. Yeah, Angel's definitely who we need to talk about next. Um, Angel in the past, up until this point, he's sort of been on the outside. Like he'll show up and like give Buffy a warning about some shit and then he'll disappear. In this episode, um, 
he well he sort of makes the choice in the last episode maybe because he seeks Giles out and gives him the codex and all that shit but in this yeah he's still sort of not making the choice for himself because Xander has to go and get him and be like look bitch we need to save Buffy so let's let's get going here like snap two so he still sort of is trying to resist his calling into this world so he's kind of being a little lame so he doesn't really make the choice in this episode necessarily um okay next Giles Giles makes the choice in this episode to go beyond his role as Watcher that was apparently chosen for him and really become more, it's a more personal relationship now. Like whenever he sees how, whenever you see how he reacts to the to the prophecy of Buffy dying, he's very, very upset. Not just because he's going to lose his post, not just because he's going to let down his slayer. It's because he loves Buffy and he cares for her and he's become a father figure to her and he genuinely gives a shit about her. So much so, so that he was willing to go in in her place and he would have definitely been killed by the master and nobody would have resuscitated him. So he makes the choice undeniably for himself that I am Buffy's watcher. Not I am a watcher and I happen to have a slayer right now. I am Buffy's watcher. I care about her. This is personal. He makes that choice in this episode. Um, Will, let's do... Do I want to do Willow next or Xander? I'll do Xander next. Xander, um, in this episode, he is forgoing a sense of self for the service of Buffy and her post because he has just been rejected by Buffy in this episode. Um, he has a huge crush on her. He's in love with her, understandable, and she lets him down in this episode and he is depressed and it would be very easy for a normal teenage boy to just stay in that space and be like, well, I don't want to have anything to do with her then. But at this point, he actually takes her no to heart at a certain point. He accepts it and then he goes and finds Angel and rallies him, even though he hates Angel, even though Angel is his literal rival because she is in love with Angel instead of him. He goes and finds Angel because Angel's going to be able to actually help. So he sacrifices his sense of self, his wanting to be with Buffy in service of actually effectively saving her life. And so this is where he makes the choice for sure. In the, in the past, it was just like, hey, he happens to be Buffy's friend and he has a huge crush on her and that's why he's hanging around. But now that he knows that it's never going to go anywhere with her and he makes the choice to still be in service of her evil fighting post in life and be her sidekick. He's choosing to be her sidekick in this episode, essentially, because he knows that he won't be able to be with her romantically like he wanted, but he still wants to help her. So that's how he chooses this life. Willow, it's a little less, Willow's character development isn't huge in this episode. You see her kind of shut down in the face of trauma 
and like you see her kind of spacing off in different points of the episode she's definitely doing the freeze part of fight flight or freeze and but she's still in it you know it doesn't i think she's kind of already made the choice that she is in it she's in this and um so she doesn't really need to make the choice in this episode but the fact that this is the first time she's truly traumatized by the life that she has chosen to be one of Buffy's sidekicks and she pushes through it and still fights the good fight so it's still sort of a choice for her but they don't really focus on her and Buffy lastly and most importantly up until this point she has been um you know really lamenting the fact that she can't just be a girl in high school and when she finds out when she overhears angel and giles talking about the prophecy when she finds out that she's going to die she gets very upset she reacts emotionally like a teenager that just found out they were going to die reacts she cries she throws things she says i'm 16 i don't want to die and she quits she's like okay fine i don't want to be a slayer anymore if this means i have to die i don't want to be a slayer anymore and she comes back when she sees how upset willow is it's her connections to other people that always bring her brings her back from the brink of whatever whether it be trauma or death literally her friends are always the ones that bring her back that keep her connected and that's why buffy is different as a slayer and that's something that's a theme that we're going to talk about a ton as we go on with um this whole project talking about each episode of buffy 20 years after it airs up until this point they've made a lot of parallels between cordelia and buffy they've sh really shown buffy being jealous of cordelia because cordelia is living the normal girl high school life that she wishes she could and ever since she's been called as a slayer which up until this point in the storyline i would say I i'm fuzzy on like the timeline because the movie was so different um than the tv show and it doesn't all carry over but um <laughs> sorry I need to take the collars off the dogs whenever I do this, but I don't. Um, anyway, I would say at this point in the storyline, she's been a slayer for maybe two years, something around there, and she still hasn't entirely accepted her post, but this is the episode where she does. And unfortunately, <laughs> that literally meant that Buffy had to die so that she could be reborn as the true slayer she is Buffy the vampire slayer now which is why they had to put this theme song in that one scene and it was cheesy as fuck but I mean that's the point they were trying to get across that this is the true episode where she becomes Buffy the vampire slayer it's not when she is literally called as the slayer which happened maybe two years before it is now and I really like that, I mean, she was really, she had to be completely broken down before she could build herself back up. And you see in the, like the middle portion of the episode, after she finds out that she's going to die up until the point where she does die, 
she suddenly doesn't have words anymore. She's not quipping. She's not being witty at all. Like when she talks to Willow, when Willow is all super traumatized after she sees her friends dead in the AV room, she, when she says goodbye to Willow, she doesn't tell Willow that, you know, about the prophecy or anything like that, but she's, she thinks she's saying goodbye to Willow forever. She thinks she's going to die. She just says to her, take care. And after she knocks Giles out and she talks to Jenny and she's like, tell him I said, I don't know, tell him I said something cool. <laughs> Think of something cool, tell him I said it. And when she meets the master, she's not quipping with him at all. She's just, she's broken. She is resigned to the fact that she's going to die. She sort of gives up, which is really sad. Um, if it weren't for Xander and Angel going in to find her, if it weren't for Xander, essentially, and this is the first of many times that Xander will be the real savior of the universe, which obviously since Xander is the surrogate character for Joss Whedon, he's just writing, he's rewriting his own past as a geeky kid as being the savior of the universe through Xander. So this is the first of many times Xander will actually save the day. Um, because if he hadn't, you know, done CPR on Buffy, she would just be dead from the master. This would be the end. That would be it. So her connection to other people is part of the thing that brings her back again. And, um, but when she comes back, the second she comes back, she's like, I feel strong. I feel good. And she starts quipping left and right, you know. I may be dead, but I'm still pretty. She tells the master he has fruit punch mouth. She is just like, the, the fight scene between the two of them after she resurrects is awesome. Because she's just quipping, like, better than she's ever quipped, and she may never quip this well ever again, you know? This is the quintessential, this is why Buffy, like, the choreography of Buffy fight scenes can often be very cheesy and stupid, and the music that they play in the background is also cheesy and stupid, but the quipping part of Buffy's fight style is the thing that brings us all back to Buffy as, as a martial arts queen <laughs> of cinema, or... TV, cinema, whatever you call that. Um, television, I guess, just in general. Um, so this is a really great episode. I'm going to go ahead and give my final ratings on it, and then I'm going to talk about the season as a whole. Um, the muse There's actually some music in this episode. Jonathan Brooks' Inconsolable is a song. There's like the, the theme song is in that one scene. And the theme song done slowly on the piano is also at the end of the episode and that was never on a Buffy soundtrack but I found um, my mom found actually on YouTube someone like a fan doing it on the piano and it's pretty good and um, I digitized it for my own personal uses because it wasn't available to buy or anything like that um, Patsy Cline's I Fall to Pieces is the country music of pain that Xander's listening to when he's laying in bed after being rejected by Buffy um, so there's a few actual songs in this episode, which is the first time that has happened since like the middle of the season or before, um, like Angel was possibly the last episode that had an actual, and that was like the sixth episode of the season. 
um, was like the last episode that had like real music in it that wasn't just score or something like that. Something that they would have had to pay for the rights to have in their show. Um, the most valuable player of the episode, for sure, is Buffy. She's a badass, especially at the moment that she resurrects. And, you know, the scene where she finds out she's going to die is such a good dramatic scene. And whenever, I mean, you're really seeing that Sarah Michelle Gellar has the chops to pull through as this character for the next seven seasons, for the next seven years. You're seeing that she can do this shit. And that's really valuable. Um, I found, a, I don't know how true this is because it was in the Complete Slayer book, but um, apparently Katie Holmes in an interview said that she turned down the role of Buffy because she wanted to go back to school. Thank the fucking Buffy the Vampire Slayer Lord that that didn't happen. I would not have been a huge fan of Buffy if Katie Holmes played Buffy. Oh my god, that would not have worked. I'm so glad it was Sarah Michelle Gellar. I mean, there's probably other people that could have played that role and I still would have loved the show, but I obviously, I can't imagine anyone else doing it because it's always been Sarah Michelle Gellar. Thank God it wasn't Katie motherfucking Holmes. Let's all just have a moment of thankful silence that Katie Holmes is not Buffy. Okay, moving on from that tragedy. Um, my five by five ratings for this episode. As far as enjoyability, I give it a 4.5. As far as portrayal of message, of choosing your own future instead of it being chosen for you and all that, I give it a five. So this episode gets a 22.5, which nothing has gotten that rating since the first episode. Um, so I wanted to give you my rankings of each season according to my 5x5 five five ratings. So um, I'll go from least favorite to most. The pack, as y'all might remember, the hyena episode, got a zero from me. Teacher's Pet got a two. Puppet Show got an eight. Never Kill a Boy in the First Date got a 12. Um, three different episodes ended up being rated a 16 from me, and they were The Witch, Nightmares, and Angel. Out of Mind, Out of Sight, and I, Robot, You, Jane both got a score of 20 from me. And then um, I scored Welcome to the Hellmouth and The Harvest, the two-parter pilot, as one since they aired on the same day back-to-back. Um, I consider that the pilot, those two episodes. Um, so both that and this last episode of the season, Prophecy Girl got a 22.5. So if you did not watch along with me, but you've been listening to my um, Buffy episode recaps on the podcast, and you still haven't watched any of Buffy, I would say if you want to just get the gist of season one, you still have to watch four episodes, but that's only a fourth of the season. I would say for sure, watch the two episode opener, Welcome to the Hellmouth and The Harvest. Then watch see, um, episode six, 
which is Angel. Then watch Prophecy Girl, the last episode. You will get the gist of the storyline without all the cheesy B-movie shit in the middle. Um, one thing I would like to acknowledge, I'm going to have to reassess my rating system because I don't think that it shook out according to my scores, like putting them in rank order, I don't think it is actually the way that it shook out with my scores. I think I really like the idea of 5x5 five five ratings. It's easy, it makes sense, but it doesn't necessarily portray the ultimate enjoyability because I definitely think I liked the episode Angel much more than Out of Mind, Out of Sight. But Angel got a 16 from me and Out of Mind, Out of Sight got a 20. So the fact that I multiply these scores seems a little odd. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to reassess it or if I even will, but I think it's not completely working as a rating system. So, um, okay, as far as the season as a whole, I have never loved season one of Buffy as much as I've loved it this time. Watching it in real time, in the spacing that it originally aired, made me feel more connected to it than I ever have. And being able to spend like an entire week thinking about one episode and just really taking it in, watching it repeatedly, doing research on it, has just brought my level of Buffy enjoyment up to a level that it never has been before. I'm really actually kind of sad to leave season one. I've enjoyed it so much and I know I love season two. And I know I love season, th I love all the seasons for, for one reason or another, but I almost feel sad to leave it, which is silly because I can watch it anytime I want. I can watch season one of Buffy every day of my life if I want to. And I mean, there were so many episodes that I was dreading watching, like Teacher's Pet, Puppet Show, um, I Robot You Jane, that all three of those episodes I was pleasantly surprised by. Um, the fact that Teacher's Pet only got a rating of two for me is, I, that is one of the reasons why I need to reassess my rating system because I actually enjoyed that episode. It really wasn't that bad. Um, but anyway, just I'm so glad I'm doing this project and I'm so glad that you guys are listening and I hope that um, it will just get better and better from here on out. Um, so now that season one is over, let's see, when do we get to start season two? We don't get to start season two until September 15th. So we now have most of June, July, and August with, and half of September with no Buffy, three and a half months um, before season three airs, um, September 15th or season two, sorry. Um, I'm really sad. Um, I don't know what I'm gonna do in the interval. I know I'm gonna watch the Buffy movie for sure and do a review of that. Um, and I think I'm gonna do like a 
not a serious review. You know, like maybe a drinking game review with Sagan or something. So Sagan, if you're interested in watching the Buffy movie with me and making a drinking game out of it, let me know. Um, let's not drink an entire bottle of uh, Hot Damn or whatever it was. What was it? Uh, was it the cinnamon whiskey stuff? What is that shit called? Whatever. We drank an entire bottle of it last time and that was a bad idea. So this time, let's pace ourselves a little bit better, but still have fun getting drunk and watching the Buffy movie. Um, <clears throat> so I know I'm going to do that. I don't know what else I'm going to do to fill the time that is Buffy related in the meantime. I'm sure I can find reasons to talk about Buffy every week still, but since I do have another podcast, I may not do that. Um, since What's This Bitch Talking About is a regular weekly podcast. Anyway, I may not talk about Buffy over the summer that much besides doing the Buffy movie, but let me know what you guys want. Um, mixtressradio at gmail.com, M-I-X-T-R-E-S-S-R-A-D-I-O at gmail. Let me know um, what you'd like me to do, how you'd like me to handle the summers, because this is the first one. <laughs> Every summer for the next seven years, I will have a lull of talking about Buffy on the podcast. And what do I do to fill that lull? I don't know. What do you guys want to do? We could do some weird shit. We could watch every episode of the last season that we just watched backwards. <laughs> I don't know. Um, anyway, I've really enjoyed this project so far and I'm very happy to continue it. And it is actually, I had the idea to do this watching every episode of Buffy 20 years after it originally aired, I think three or four years ago is when I first had the idea. And so I had to wait to do it. Like, I don't think I knew originally that I was going to do a podcast about it, but I knew that I was going to do it and either blog about it or put it on the radio show or something. I was going to do something with it. Um, besides just watching it 20 years after it aired. But um, I had to wait a long time to get this project started after the conception of the idea. And it is, and I was really, really looking forward to it and it is somehow more enjoyable than I thought it would be. So I am very excited about the future of this project, about all the different episodes we're gonna get to discuss. And the fact that I went into season one in the past when I've ranked my favorite seasons of Buffy, it's usually been, hmm, it's usually been like, I would say season one was at the lower half. It was at the back end, you know, it was, I would have ranked it kind of low on enjoyability factor, but coming out of it, it's become one of my favorite seasons. And if that's the way I react to each season as I'm doing this project, it's, I'm gonna come out of this, I went into this thing loving this show more than any other show ever. <laughs> and I might come out of it loving it even more. That's really exciting to me. And it makes me wanna do this, a similar type project with other shows that I love. So that's another thing that we could do during the summer, maybe, is like review other shows. Um, I don't know. So something to think about, and I just wanted to kind of leave off this whole thing by saying that 
I really enjoy it. I'm very happy that I'm doing this project and I hope that you are too. And if you have any suggestions for ways that we can kind of revamp the way that we do this whole thing before I start season two, um, I am welcome to suggestions, especially if you have a good suggestion for the rating system. Like if I can still call it a five by five rating system, but somehow we tweak it so that it translates better into the scores actually reflecting how we feel about the episodes, then um, I would definitely accept any of those suggestions. So let me know. And that is it for season one of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Grr. Arg.